0: This episode of the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast is a. Bonus episode. We had no idea we were even going to be able to do this as recently as yesterday, you fucks. Okay? We're making it happen. So the only sponsor is onit.com. That's O N N I T. Use the code name Rogan. Save yourself 10% off any and all supplements. Shortest commercial ever. Cue the music. Justin the Viking, Ren, is in the house to tell us about some amazing adventures. It's going to be educational, enriching, good for the soul. The Joe Rogan Experience.
1: Train my day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day.
0: Justin Wren, first of all, thanks for doing this. I'm so glad we could fit you in. I was, I was a little worried we weren't going to be able to get you before you got back to the Congo because you're on this kind of a, a whirlwind thing. You know, you have, you're back at LA for only like a few days, right?
1: Actually, I head out to Vegas after this, and then I'm driving there, and I fly out tomorrow. For those who don't
0: know, Justin was uh, a contestant on The Ultimate Fighter. He's a mixed martial arts fighter in the heavyweight division for the UFC, and then... I started reading some stuff. I think the first thing I read about it was uh, on The Underground, uh, which is MixedMartialArts.com. It's this great website that we both belong to. Yep. It's uh, probably the best uh, Mixed Martial Arts message board in the country, uh, in the world, really. And uh, there was uh, a, a, a thread where it was talking about you uh, going over there and helping people in the Congo and working with these pygmies. and This had become something you were really, really devoted to. And I was like, wow, like who saw that coming? Like Check this out guy out. I saw a picture of you before that with a pig that you had killed with a knife over your shoulder. Yeah. You know, this guy, I'm like, this guy's a fucking savage. He's got a pig over his shoulder. A a yeah, there's a picture of you with this, uh, with this wild hog over your shoulder. I'm like, I want to party with Justin Wren. And the next thing you know, you go from there and you're a uh, mixed martial arts fighter, hog killer, pygmy saver. I mean, you're, you're over there helping all
1: these people in the Congo. How did all this get started? Man, I, I just heard about how much they were suffering. And uh, I, I had no clue. Like, I, I, fighting, I wanted to fight against people, you know, and uh, I wanted my dreams, my everything. And then when I heard about the pygmies, I just heard the suffering that they were going through. I heard that they uh, felt forgotten. I heard that they were enslaved. I heard that the four out of 10 is the small stat that you can find. Four out of 10 of their children die before age five. And so for me, I, I was just like, man, that's brutal. And I knew that they were not given citizenship in their own country. And so I just went there to just learn and see and s- sit with them, live with them, sit around the campfire. That's where I've learned most. Whenever the slave masters aren't around, whenever, uh, whenever those guys are asleep, then they'll really open up and tell you what everything's happening. Um, and so it was just a ton of suffering. And That's how I went over there. I just went with a burden to find out what was going on. Could you put that a little closer to you Yeah, your absolutely.
0: What did, how did you find out about it at first? What was the... Uh What, what, I mean, what led you to this?
1: Uh, I had a buddy that was having a plan to go to the Congo and he was going all by himself. And I mean, just completely, utterly alone. And it was like the worst conflict zone on the planet and, uh, heard about what he was doing, heard about, uh what was happening with the pygmies and uh, heard his wife uh, was a little worried that he was going. And uh, I just was looking for something with purpose and passion. And I felt like I could be passionate about fighting for people. And so I went with him and uh, heard all the terrible stuff that was going on. And we went there to see what we could do to help. Wow. That's so inspiring. And for folks who haven't
0: seen it, there's a video that Justin did that's gone viral. And this has really brought a lot of attention to your cause and and what what you're doing. There's a video of you with these young pygmy children that are, is this the first time they're seeing a white man? To to
1: preface the video, this is actually not the Pygmies, the video. It's actually the Bantu. And Uh, the Bantu are the tribe that's actually enslaving the Pygmies. Oh, my God. And so it was, yeah, it was uh, around some of the Pygmies. But this was the least remote location. Like, you'll see that there wasn't many trees. Where I went was 85 kilometers deep in the jungle where you couldn't even see the sky because the canopy of the rainforest is so tall. And so this was the Bantu people. And the Bantu people are the ones that enslaved them. It was actually a gift because I don't, that video to me is a, a real gift. It, it shows me, uh, even though I hated their parents, um, uh, you know, you can't even see that in the video that I actually right. would just had a hatred in my heart towards the, the parents of these kids. Um, but yeah, so it, that was brutal because I, on the UG also, I posted a video, um, or actually a, a thread about how I, I buried a, uh, a one and a half year old in the Congo and his name was Andy Bow. And so this video that's playing right now, you can't even tell that they were uh, that that their parents are responsible for the grave that I dug. I think two days before that video. So these are the Bantu peoples. Ban- Bantu. B a n t u.
0: B- and the Bantu people are enslaving the Pygmies, and this has been going on for how
1: long? Uh, it's actually rather recent. Uh, I mean, there's been. Types of it for hundreds of years, but uh, they have different kinds of slavery within the Pygmies. There's ones that they're held to gunpoint. Uh, there's by the rebels in the gold and coltan and diamond mines, uh, and then there's other ones where they're they're in shackles. Uh, but then the ones that we've actually—I I didn't get to say that yet—but we've actually set some slaves free. Some Pygmy slaves that were from the Bantu, and we negotiated with the Bantu people uh, who go up and they buy up the land from underneath the Pygmies. Pygmies don't have a way to make any monetary gain. They don't get paid anything in money. They get paid sometimes corn, sometimes bags of salt, sometimes bars of soap, like a bar of soap for two days of work. They might get a bar of soap to bathe with. Um, And so, yeah, the Bantu people are the ones that are enslaving them that we're actually uh, negotiating with them to, to free them. Wow. Yeah.
0: What a crazy environment that must be. The Congo itself, yeah. not being able to see the sky and having all this insane conflict going on underneath the canopy of these trees, Also, primitive, dealing with things like slavery yeah. and, and forcing people. What's really crazy is forcing people to work in the mines to create the very things that we need to power our most technologically advanced pieces of electronics like these laptops.
1: Yeah, That Coltan, right? Yeah, Coltan, I think 80 to 90% of it is found in the Congo. So it's only found in two places in the world, 80 to 90% of it's the Congo, 100% of it's rebel owned. There's not a legit mine. And so that's uh, insane. Yeah, most of it's pygmy slave A 100% of it is rebel owned. From the Congo? Yes. The Democratic Republic of Congo, all of it is rebel owned.
0: So there is no karma free cell phones, electronics. No, 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 not smartphones,
1: not Macs, not flat screen TVs. Wow. So, I mean, I support it even. I have the, the Apple products, yeah. the iPad, iPhone. Everything.
0: What a bizarre, fascinating oh, sort of uh, statement on humanity, that is.
1: Yeah, it's actually pretty crazy, man, because I had um, some pygmies come one time and give me some coltan. I didn't know what it was, though, at the time. Uh, I didn't know. I knew that there was golden diamond mines there and that they were slaves in those. But I had no clue what coltan was. Uh, and that was after my first trip. But they actually put some coltan in my hands, and I was holding it. And they were really excited to give it to me. You know, this is why they're slaves. And, and, and so they thought I'd be ecstatic. And so I'm having to ask my translator, like, what, like, what, what is this stuff they're handing me? I didn't know if it was like uh, rough diamonds or if deep inside there, there was gold or what it was, but it was Coltan. What does it look like? It's like this black, um, dark mineral. It's almost, some of it almost looks like a crystal or I don't know if you can throw like up coal? a picture. Almost like coal. Yeah. yeah almost like coal. Um, it's, yeah, it's long and jaggedy. It's kind of, a I don't know, you know, those like crystals that you can, you used to be able to buy like that are oh, yeah. long like that. It'd be a black one of those almost. And sometimes it has more of a coal, like charcoal kind of feature to it. And it's, it's heavy, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's a great conduit for electricity. And that's why we're using it in all our smartphones and everything. And that's why they're slaves, but I wasn't excited about it and I didn't know what it was. And I, <laughs> but for them, you know, think how, think how crazy that is. That's why they're slaves. Yeah. And I don't even know what it is. Yeah, And they're just ecstatic to give it to me. Meanwhile, and, it's a huge source. I mean, it, you need it all over the world.
0: Yeah. And most people are completely ignorant as to what it is and especially where it comes from. Right. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Like I had to explain that to someone when they were talking about um, uh, how much better it is to have an electric car. And I'm like, do you understand that that car is filled with conflict minerals? Yeah. Like, it's not that simple. It's not as simple as, like, you're good and the guy with the gas guzzler is bad. Like, no, there's a lot of fuckery in creation of your car. Batteries, like, lithium-ion, that's another reason why we're in Afghanistan. There's uh, lithium stores. There's trillions of dollars of lithium in, in Afghanistan. And that's what you need for lithium-ion batteries.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, mean, it's insane. I, I can't even... I don't. I mean, I know we have two hours, but yeah. I don't even know if I could get into some of the, the stuff. I know that uh, Shane from Vice has been on here, and yes. then someone was saying someone he's else from here Vice again been tomorrow. Here. Is he really? Yeah. Man, I wish I could meet that dude. Uh, he's, he can. he's a cool guy. You want to meet him? If you could stay until tomorrow, you can meet him. All right, we'll have to see about my plane <laughs> it back see if you or can something. Move it back. Yeah,
0: he'd be happy to meet you. Yeah, man. that would be great. He's the Coolest motherfucker on earth, dude.
1: I I think he's awesome.
0: Yeah, he's a great guy. He's, he's super easy to talk to too. Just really like down to earth. Cool yeah, and he goes to some of the craziest places. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. He's yeah. returning back and forth, you know. Yeah. I wonder
1: what he'd think about me going for a full year. Just I know that he said it was a crazy time going there, and uh, and I just would want to pick his brain what part he went to. Is that so what you're doing Congo. now? You're about to go for a year? For a full year, yeah. Wow. I'm going to go for a full year, and uh, I'm partnering with the oldest university in the Congo, and they have been working on this project for seven years, and we kind of just linked up together to where uh, – Our visions just are kind of the same. We want to free these people and give them a sustainable ways of life. So I'm one of my best friends now was born and raised in the Congo, was educated, got his doctorates in Australia, but then he came back to the Congo and he's the Dean of the School of Community Development. So he teaches them different ways of agriculture, water wells, all these kinds of things. So he's actually setting them free. That's what we did in September. We saw 60 slaves be set free, put on 30 acres of land and get a water well. Now it's doubled. Now since I've been back here, it's been 120 slaves set free, uh, men, women, and children put on 60 acres of land, and then now uh, you know we, we're wanting to find a way. We think that me going there for a year, and if we were able to fundraise fifty thousand dollars, so if we could find a thousand people at fifty bucks, thousand people at fifty bucks, that's a thousand slaves freedom, wow. and it would it's it's a nuts um, amount of stuff that that would do.
0: How um, many people are slaves right now there?
1: Well, the pygmies in the democratic republic of congo there's a few different it's hard for them to do a census you know i mean these are hunters and gatherers and nomads and slaves and then in dangerous areas and then really remote areas so there's a few different censuses and uh, that they've tried to do the lowest i've seen is 300,000 pygmies and then another i've seen is 600,000 and pygmy actually literally translated means elbow height so i mean they're smaller than everybody else it's almost like they're just uh, the worst bullying victims uh, that have ever been. Wow. So the average men's height is four foot seven.
0: So are, are they in any way like, uh, have you ever um, seen any of that stuff on um, uh, the, uh, the Hobbit people from uh, this uh, island? Of um, oh,
1: the remains they found.
0: No, yeah, they found remains of people that lived, you know, uh, tens of thousands of years ago with with humans, and they were the real tiny, like almost people like things. Right, it's it really interesting when you see like someone like the pygmies, where you have like a whole race of them that are like really tiny like that. It makes you wonder like. How did that? How did that separate strain branch off way, way, way back in the day in the, the evolutionary chain of uh, of these these people being
1: developed? It's really odd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, one of the one of the problems that they uh, they have is that um, they're called half man, half animal uh, by the surrounding tribes, and so wow. that's one reason why I've met people. Uh, that have been that their families, members of their families have been victim of cannibalism, uh, and so yeah i 've have pictures um, that can guys of cannibalism they actually the surrounding tribes believe that if you can consume the flesh of a pygmy uh, that you can gain superhuman strength i mean from taking the genitals off of small bullies and putting them under businesses, uh, it'll bring you wealth from eating what? their flesh yeah, the rebels believe that if you eat their flesh. That you can uh, – what is it? It, it makes you bu- – not bulletproof, but what is it whenever a bullet can just fly right through you? So basically uh, not invisible. invisible in, but,
0: impervious. Yeah.
1: So, so it just they, – they, that's what they believe. That they you take can just
0: children's genitals and they put them under a business?
1: Yeah. That's what they'll do to them. And they'll uh, think that that brings them many blessings. They, that Some of the witch doctors have done that in Uganda, but they do it in Congo. Uh, the part of the Congo that I'm going to is it borders Rwanda and Uganda. And so I'm right over the border and then in the jungle, kind of um, Bunia is where Shalom University is. And then 85 kilometers from there, there's a, a part of the Congo called Commander. Um, they say it differently than that, but then we go from there deep into the, the jungle. And where that is, there's some different rebel groups that have that have done just brutal stuff there. And uh, that's some of their beliefs. Wow. Yeah, How it's the pretty fuck crazy. How does one place <laughs> get so messed up? It, what's so crazy, man? Is they should be the richest country on yeah. the entire face of this planet. They have every element on the periodic table, every yeah. single one, right. and uh, and they have the most fertile soil. They have gold, diamonds, now coltan. With all this taken off, they should really be the richest country there is. And, the and all the corruption and everything just ruins it. It's it's so
0: it's so crazy. The corruption is so nuts. The warlords and the whole system that uh, that they've got going on down there. It's it's so it's so bizarre to look at. You know, United States of America here in 2013, how everything is, and then realize there's another part of the world that exists in the same time that is essentially living the way people lived thousands of years ago, with guns, though.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's what's so crazy is. The pygmies. I actually have my grandpa's, uh, I've been accepted as family there now. And um, I have my grandpa, Jay Lua, um, is his name, Jay Lua. And he gave me his bow. So his pygmy bow and arrow that he's had for 30, 40 years. You
0: hold it in your hands?
1: It's actually pretty tiny, man. It's pretty (laughs) tiny, but but in it, it has all these things that are almost like a pygmy tally mark. And it's all up and down the top of the bow and the bottom of the bow on the inside. And it's all the kills that he has of certain types of antelope. And he gave me the I think I have like 10 arrows, five with like the metal on it and then four that are just straight wood that are sharpened and they have this like circular thing around the tip of it. And I thought the ones that are metal would be the ones for the antelope. Because they look like they do more damage, but it's actually the ones that don't have the metal on it uh, that are just carved uh, out of the wood that are the ones that go after the antelope because they dip the uh, the, the tips of them in, in poison. Uh. And so it's poison dipped arrows and those are the ones that go after with the biggest ones and the, the metal ones are more for like monkeys and small little pigs and things like that. Wow, so yeah. you're gonna go there and live with these people in like a tent made out of leaves? Yeah, it's uh, a for twig a year, a twig and leaf hut, man. You should and, pull
0: uh, the. What, do people see the picture? Do you have it on your uh, website or anything? Did you send any of those pictures?
1: Yeah, yeah. I sent some of the pictures over. Um, yeah, it's a twig and leaf hut, and they they rebuild them basically every night. Uh, every night. Well, it depends on if it was raining. The rainforest, um, and then yeah. if it's uh, if the wind is blowing. Uh, I actually have pictures of, I think, like the widows and orphans that lived in one hut together where just in the middle of the night, it didn't even rain that night, but the wind blew and their whole roof came off. And so they have to go get the leaves again and place them over banana leaves and different like those big elephant looking ear leaves. Right. And so they just get those and they cover up um, in nine different villages I went to last time. I was there for a month and nine different villages I went to. Not one of them ever owned a blanket. Wow. So they're just sleeping straight on the dirt, man. That's it. And no uh,
0: blankets. No blankets.
1: No just sleeping straight on the dirt. Wow. First time I went to one of those tribes was I saw the chief and I was putting up my tent and they about lost it and had a little air up mattress, you know, and I had a a sleeping bag and I mean, to them, that was the Ritz Carlton. So I let the chief have it and I slept. You let the
0: chief have it? That's amazing. Yeah.
1: So I let him have that and I slept in his hut and, uh, yeah. And then, uh, psyched. Yeah, he was man, and they they all passed around <laughs> the air mattress, and that, they were actually like holding it up above them, almost like uh, what, crowd surfing, <laughs> like right. like crowd surfing at a concert, but they're doing that with the air mattress so everyone could feel it. Wow. Yeah. So they've
0: never had mattresses. I mean, this oh, isn't no. like a new thing to them. They've slept on dirt forever.
1: Yeah, I, I, I haven't come across one pygmy um, in the remote locations that I've been to. That Are I've there ever pygmies
0: in other locations that have cities or anything like that? Or? No, no, they're they're actually
1: know. basically if they come to a city at all, so yeah. That's there we go. That would be home sweet home for uh, for a full year. That's the kind of villages that I'm staying in. And if you look in there, I think on top of one of those huts, there's like a few clothes. And if they if a pygmy's had clothes, they've been a slave. So there's basically the only pygmies that are there. Yeah. So there's some of the clothes. So obviously these ones um, were have been slaves. And most of the ones I've ever been to have been slaves. There's only been like one village I've been to where they were so remote that they still weren't enslaved and they could be hunters and gatherers. But the deforestation with the trees falling that you could drive two Mack trucks through, uh, those are scaring all the animals away to where they basically can no longer live like hunters and gatherers because the animals just flee from all the uh, trees falling. So the, the is it loggers? Is that what it is? Uh, it's loggers, but it's also the guys that are uh, like the Bantu, the slave masters. They can get the pygmies, their slaves, to go cut these trees down. And, and to pygmies, trees are holy. Uh, they believe that the ancestors of their um, – yeah, their ancestors live inside the trees, become trees, and uh, they bury their dead inside – holes inside of trees. If they find an opening in it. They'll put, put their dead there. Um, and so they're having to cut down what they've lived in for thousands of years. And then the rainforest preservationists and wildlife conservationists, they they push them out. They'll buy up the land, and they'll say pygmies aren't good for this, and they'll kick them off the land. And they'll buy up thousands and thousands of acres, actually thousands the of square kilometers.
0: people will do this?
1: Yeah, they'll kick the pygmies off. So they're more interested in the trees
0: than they are the pygmies? Absolutely.
1: Wow. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've heard from my family members in the pig, pygmy tribe. And when I say this, like literally – I have pygmy family that are more family to me than some of my family here in the U S like and so, that one
0: crazy cousin who gets drunk and grabs a dick. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, guy. yeah <laughs> for
1: sure. Yeah. There's some pygmies I just love, man, that I love. And, sure. uh, and Do you speak their language? I don't speak their language yet. I speak some of it, man, but, but not a lot. And during that year there, for my birthday coming up, I'm going to get Rosetta Stone, I think. And uh, that's what I'm asking How for. How could you not? You're going to live there for a year. You yeah. say you love these people. What have they been
0: talking shit about you the whole time? And you're going <laughs> to learn Pygmy and find out. Yeah, well, they don't. Have, yeah,
1: they don't have a Rosetta Stone <laughs> in Pygmy. Well, That'd be funny though. Dude, I'm, what, I'm the crazy uncle. <laughs> what is
0: the language that they have? Like, what is it called?
1: Oh, it's yeah, like it's a, like that, right? it's not the clicking, it's a, but it's close. It's actually a tonal language or yeah. a, a polyphonic. Actually, there's, there's some sweet videos. I don't know if you guys want to pull any up, but yes, on YouTube, please. there's a, they do a thing that I love called, uh, uh, the water drum. And that actually isn't going to be on my YouTube thing, but you could look up Pygmy's Water Drum on YouTube and, and there's some sweet songs. They'll have like seven to eight women uh, inside the river and then they they each have a part to play and, um, wow. uh, and they just slap the water and it's, it comes out to beautiful songs or they also have something called polyphonic singing where they each have a uh, a, a tone that they do and they actually, some people call it the language of song, that's trying to think of that but their language, sometimes they're joking around with each other or getting into it and it sounds like they're kind of singing to one another Wow! Um, so that's the ones that are in the more remote locations, the ones that have been slaves for years and years and years they've started to learn to speak Swahili so yeah, there it is and you're not in it for just the boobs, right? <laughs> no, sorry. they they sag after a while
0: Is there a drum to that as well, or is that all just the water? It's all the that water.
1: Sound? That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, this is just three. Whenever they get like eight to ten in there, they wow. get some intense songs. This is hilarious. Yep. Take a pause, wipe your eyes. <laughs> wow. They also have something called the tree drum. They'll, they'll, uh, hollow out a tree and they'll get some harder sticks and they'll just beat the side of a tree and it's, it's odd, oh man, it's sweet. So what are you doing for food out there? Uh, the last month I went, I took about 40 to 50, uh, power bars with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so it. man, my bag was so heavy cause I, I took a, I took a supplement shop with me and, uh, but I mean they eat caterpillars. I've eaten like, uh, I normally don't ask, uh, the different parts of it, but, um, uh, the, like Whenever they do goat, which actually pygmies don't eat goat, they believe that it has uh evil spirits inside it. So even though goats are really easy to raise, they won't eat a goat. The hunters say that a goat makes you weak in the knees, um, and then the women just don't like the flavor of it. And they all think that it it, they've seen evil spirits come inside of them, and so they don't eat goats. Did they see drag me to hell? Is that what it is? (laughs) Remember that?
0: (laughs) Remember the the gate becomes the goat becomes evil? Remember that? I never saw it. Yeah.
1: Good movie. Um, <laughs> uh but yeah, and so they, they eat they'll eat chicken, they'll whatever they're slaves for. I have a picture I think of uh of my buddy Harry. And um, he, we call him Harry because he's the only pygmy I've ever seen with facial hair. Uh, that's why that video was so unique about me because I went over there. And it wasn't right. just like some guy uh, from America that went a there. Big but, giant yeah.
0: white hairy dude. Yeah. Like, what
1: the uh, fuck is all this? Yeah, that's why uh, my buddy started calling me the great white Sasquatch. What do you think <laughs> about your tattoos? Oh, yeah. that That is uh, crazy. Not to the pygmies. The pygmies actually tattoo their faces sometimes. Um, the women, uh, I've come across a few of them that are more like traditional or remote. Those women still carve their teeth. I don't know if you can Google that, but they they actually carve their teeth, and it lo- makes them almost look more like a a piranha. To me, it's not attractive, but to the pygmy men, it's attractive. Really? Yeah. They they uh, maybe pygmy me like men that.
0: hate blowjobs. <laughs> like I hate it. No man. Yeah, well, I don't
1: even want to be. Ta- oh, those teeth. Good, perfect. You're yeah, you, my girl. I don't know if you guys can find a picture of that, but uh it's a uh, pretty. Pretty crazy-looking whenever Ugh. they smile. There's a lot
0: of um, strange things that, wow, oh, my God, that yeah. African people do to uh, customize their body. The uh, neck rings, that's mm. very strange. The uh, stretching of the lower lip mm. that that's the water uh, bear. Suri uh, women
1: do. They, they put a plate in their lower lip. Yeah. The, a- the, the Maasai, they do their uh, big gauges in their ears. Yeah. And whenever they get so big that they, they start flopping around. I've actually been um, – brought into the, so the pygmy tribe brought me in as family. Uh, the Maasai tribe had a ceremony and made me a warrior and they painted me red head to toe. Um, they gave me a spear that killed two lions. Uh, I've actually seen the mane of the lion that it killed. Um, the head warrior, you know, gave me my name which is Mazungu Simba Maasai Maran and that means the, the white lion, Maasai warrior. So I'm a part of the warrior class of the Maasai and whenever the wind blows with them in those big gauges, um, they'll just twist their earlobes and then wrap them around the top of their ear so it Whoa. looks really funny but, uh, but that's just on a windy day so they kill lions with spears? Mm-hmm. Is it because the lions are attacking them or just they just go out to be gangster? A little, a little bit of both. Really? I think the younger guys go out there to impress the girls but uh, to
0: kill a fucking lion with a spear <laughs> yeah. isn't there a way to just
1: show your dick haha uh, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> uh, the what is it the guys um, oh the they, they're, those are shepherds so the pygmies are hunter and gatherers But the Maasai are shepherds, and so they take care of different cattle and goats. And so, whenever they're doing that, they have to protect uh, their herd, and that's against lions and jaguars, or uh, cheetahs and um leopards. And so my spear, they actually showed me the skin of the leopard that it killed, the mane of the lion that it killed. Um wow. and he also said it killed a man, so I I guess I have a, a murder weapon, but uh Holy shit. Yeah, he but he was protecting their cattle. A a thief came in there and uh actually came with a a rungu, which is a club. Um and so it was a rungu versus a spear and it was a warrior. So anyways, it's pretty pretty crazy. Wow, what is it like? What kind of a head is this thing? The spearhead? What is it? Uh, like? the s- spearhead's about this long, and it's heavy. Is I it mean, metal? Uh, yeah, actually, they they have this uh, the wood part of it in the middle of a Maasai warrior spear is a, from like an olive tree of some sort. Okay, and then they. Uh, put it through the fire and make it really, really strong. That's
0: a hardwood anyway.
1: Yeah, it's oh, a hardwood. Yep. And yeah. they, they, they know how to treat it through the fire and make it like rock solid. Uh, and then one end is almost like looks like a javelin. And so that's the end that they use for either target practice or just sticking it in the ground whenever they're walking around. And the other end they only use for whenever they come across a line.
0: Wow. So one end they throw it just to like to, just to practice. Yep.
1: And uh, we, we took some balloons over there to see uh, if the kids would like it. And to be honest, uh, the the warriors liked the balloons better than anything because we'd blow up those balloons and just tie them, throw them on the ground, and then uh, they would the different warriors would stock the balloons almost on every time, almost the first throw every single time they nailed it. How far away? Uh, I mean, not too far because the wind's blowing and they're, they're stalking it. And whenever they're going after a lion, they normally wait until they're close because if they miss, you know, (laughs) they they don't want to miss, you know, so they, they, they wait till it's close. Uh, And so, I mean, probably here to the door, man, only like 20 feet. Uh, Well, I guess some of them did it farther where some were getting it from all the way to the, to the window. So some of them could actually throw them pretty good and far. Sometimes they get jacked when they go after these lions. Oh yeah. The, 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 the spear that I have. Um, the guy, this, the warrior that gave it to me, his name's almost like, it's like most is his name. It's like most. And the other warrior, man, I'm slipping on his name. Uh, but I took a picture with both of them. And the one guy that I I met, he had this, these teeth marks out of his, uh, his knee, his kneecap. He, he had a, a big rungu, which is a club, but it was, it was like a, a walking stick for him. And, uh, his knee was really swollen and it had these chunks out of it. And then, um, we, uh, I asked him what happened to his knee, and then he pulled over. They always wear red because that way if they're ever wounded in battle or anything hits them, they, you don't know that they're bleeding. And so um, he pulled down his uh, his shuka, which is like a robe of sort for the warrior class, and he pulled it down. And down his shoulder blade in the back of his like shoulder, um, he had claw marks. I mean just wicked claw marks. And so the the lion had t- attached onto his shoulder. Onto his thigh and then oh. bit into his knee. Oh. And so he showed me those scars. Oh. Yeah. yeah, man. And the, the, the head warrior is the one that saved the other warrior. And that's the spear that I have hanging up in my house.
0: Wow. So as the lion was biting him, homeboy jacked him with the spear. Yeah,
1: came after him. And Ooh. this one that wasn't even on a lion hunt, this was just they were going after, uh, or they were. Tending the fields, tending the flock, and a lion came after the guy. Dude, fuck cats.
0: That's all I have to say. <laughs> fuck all cats. Yeah, I'm more of a dog guy. Yeah, I'm way more of a dog guy. I uh, I have chickens right now. I just got little baby chicks. What? That's yeah, awesome. My little girls, uh, <laughs> they wanted to get chickens, so we decided to get like a little, little chicken coop sort of situation. Um, but... The fucking cat, I have two cats, and my one cat, this motherfucker, just paces in front of that door, left and right. It doesn't matter if he's trained. doesn't matter if he's sweet and he purrs. He can't wait to murder one of those birds. He just can't get it out of his head. Like, in his head, he's got to get in there and f- he hears them. He sits out in front of the door and meows. And, you know, it's, it's almost like you want to kick his ass. He's like, "Come on, man! Why don't you fucking leave them alone? They're little chicks." But in his DNA, there is just no stopping that. That's mm-hmm. what he wants to do.
1: Yep. Have you ever seen a lion? Uh, yeah, I have. <laughs> I've seen. I've seen uh, two different times. I've seen two, and uh, one time they were sitting over a. It was either a cape buffalo or a what is it? A water water uh, buffalo. Water buffalo. I think it was a water buffalo, and uh, it was still chomping down on that. Oh and so it God. wasn't paying attention to us. I had my spear though, and I, but I wasn't going to test it out. Like some guys were trying to get me to go over there. <sighs> have you oh, practiced no with it? I have practiced with it, but I'm not going to use it, man. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not they already gave me uh, the ceremony and gave me the spear and made me a warrior. Right. in fact, the other ones, they can't be a warrior until they kill a lion. So they come back with the female tail uh, waving it. And if it's a male, they come back with a the, lo- uh, the mane wrapped around them. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be a to you have to be a lion killer to be a warrior. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Until then you're kind of a lesser class. Uh, male. We <laughs> yeah. should bring a <laughs> yeah. We're such have... pussies in this country. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I was a warrior. That's why I try yeah. to connect with them. You know, right. hey, I fought. And I, we, they wrestle. They just do takedowns, though. They don't do any, like, ground fighting. Did or you anything. show them some moves? I did. I did. did. I wrestled two at the same time and picked <laughs> them both up. And, uh, so they thought, that's how they thought I was a warrior because they were like, oh, wow, it's wrestling. Like, we can't, did uh, you they had submit a line them? of them. Did you submit anybody? Uh, did you n- te- teach them how to tap? Man, no. Uh, for me, I would just pick them up and put them over my shoulder. I did that with both of them at the same time. Once you got to remember they're, they're skinny dudes, skinnier right. dudes. Um, they but no, don't... I did start to put one in a guillotine choke, but then I'm started thinking, man, this guy killed a lion. He's not going to tap, right, you know? Right, right. And so I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to hurt this guy. I'm just going to play around with him. So is he trying so... to wrestle with you? And oh just yeah. Can't they...
0: figure out yeah. your sprawl. Yeah. Yeah. You Get yeah. double underhooks. Yeah. He's like,
1: what is he doing? Yeah. They're trying a couple different kinds of like collar ties and trips. Yeah. Um, and then they do like a double, almost like a tie clinch. Really? Uh, and so they do that and they just kind of like circle each other and uh, they just do that amongst the, the warrior class, just uh, almost like a ranking system of sorts. So uh, but you should be able to go in there and school those dudes. And, yeah, like, when it came to wrestling. Create but... a whole elite team <laughs> yeah. of Maasai warriors. Yeah, a Kenyan wrestling team? That'd be pretty crazy. That'd be pretty Kenyan, badass. Tanzanian. It's uh, like, you could be like a,
0: your own Sandra Bullock movie. A white guy goes over there, <laughs> teaches them how to wrestle, brings them to the state championship. They yeah. got leaves for shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, Mizungu. Teach the Maasai how to fucking tap people. Yeah. They probably don't understand. There's like probably so many different techniques you can use on them. They don't see coming, right? Oh, yeah.
1: But the craziest thing is, is that they have all these... Um cactuses and briar bushes all around them uh. so inside the village the wrestling was was okay but it was just it would happen anywhere and anytime i remember i had those uh, five finger shoes on and i stepped right on a briar bush and it went straight through the sole of it and into my toe and uh i mean just i'm like come on guys let's at least we're used uh, you know see you just said it like we're used to the mats we're used to the yeah. to the sissy stuff <laughs> and so those guys are just they're and they're warriors. probably barefoot too right yeah they're barefoot i got shoes on i got i got hiking boots on. I have I have everything. So when they step on a briar bush and they're barefoot, they just walk it off? Uh I don't know. I didn't I didn't I guess I'm the only one, even while wrestling, I'm not aware enough to know there's a briar bush around. They must have ridiculously tough feet too oh, though, yeah. right? It, especially with the pygmies. Um the Maasai too, but a lot of the Maasai now are getting uh sandals made out of tires. So like tires that blow out. Really? They'll uh they'll make it out of the, the rubber from the tire. But the pygmies they don't have access to stuff like that, especially because they don't have anything to bargain or barter with. They don't have goats, they don't have cows they and they're slaves, so they are mostly barefoot all the time and they're running through the jungle and stuff like that and so their the soles of their feet actually almost look like the soles of shoes almost i mean not not I mean they don't have the the gripping and stuff and but uh but they're thick they're really thick. Have you ever seen that that show where there's two
0: dudes I think they call it dual survivor or something mm-hmm. like dual survivor? Mm-hmm. I don't remember
1: the Cody Cody yeah, 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 Landon
0: yeah. or Landau or I don't know whatever he's, homeboy's name is but yeah. He walks everywhere barefoot. Pigtails. Yep. yeah yeah he's got pigtails big yeah. gorilla looking dude he does it in cold weather yeah. um, snow yeah. I mean barefoot. crazy stuff
1: everywhere so, I saw the one and because I'm trying to learn from those guys some survival stuff which the pygmies know more than anybody but um, while I'm here you know learning from that show and they did like the swamps of like Louisiana or something. Yeah. And there was all these water moccasins and all this stuff. And he's barefoot in yeah. there. And he's walking through and poisons, uh, yeah. spiders and all the first kinds time of I shit. saw him scared. Like he was, he was terrified <laughs> walking through that.
0: Yeah. One bite from one of those crazy fucking animals that live down there and you're done. Yeah. You, you got a lot of that in the Congo as well. I've watched some documentaries of the Congo. I mean, this is the only place in the world where they have
1: spiders that move in packs. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, their ants man are pretty crazy. Yeah. My buddy I took with me, um, um, he went to, <laughs> to, to take a dump behind a tree and he put his, uh, he put his back against the, the tree and he had these ants, uh, crawl up and just start biting them. Uh, and these ants though make you bleed, they're, they're chompers on them. Like literally, um, and the, what's, what's the most brutal part is they try to find the softest spot to bite or something they, with their sensors. And so whenever they came up my, my leg, Uh, I didn't notice them because of how fast they are. Uh, I didn't notice them until two were on my left nipple and I was like pulling this thing off and I mean, I'm having to pull the ant out and whenever I finally got it off, I literally was bleeding. Um, Like just from a fucking ant, uh, ant. yeah. And they, they travel in these things like I'm talking about, they look like roads. So sometimes the, the path that you're walking on, if it's a pygmy path, they're small, really, really small. Sometimes the, 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 it's wider than the path of ants. Like, a, I mean, like a road, a road of ants like this thick. And I mean, the, the ants are only like this, like this long and About an inch long. yeah, but there's millions of them that they make these roads that are like oh. wide. That, ants are goddamn brutal. terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And they they then really I, are. Brian Callan, a,
0: a good buddy of mine was working, uh, I think in Bornea. I think he said it was, I forget where it was. It was in some jungle, but he said they would have to put Is it in Congo no I don't oh, believe okay. so but they had to put turpentine over the posts of the they had to suspend oh, yeah. their tents put turpentine over the posts so that the ants didn't climb up them he said yeah. but when you were lying in bed at night you would hear the ants walking through the forest yeah
1: that, absolutely like, you can I've hear heard them that. you can hear them without wow. a doubt yeah I mean it, it that's the part uh, see that's that's why I know I'm passionate about this and that I really feel like this is my life's purpose Wow. because I don't I don't like creepy crawlies <laughs> I, don't, I don't like stuff like that man and uh, I think I sent a picture Picture of a black mamba. I almost stepped on, uh, and luckily the pygmies killed it. It was in Roger the middle Mayweather. of the night, and uh, <laughs> and it was it was pretty crazy because all of a sudden I heard I heard the hut next to me, which it, this tribe was a, a chief, and uh, I heard his wife going nuts, and I would sleep with uh I would actually sleep with the yep there it is that's the black mamba, and um, that almost got you. Yeah, it was like five or six feet long, probably. Did you guys um, eat that thing? I, see, I thought about it, and they 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 see they believe uh. They believe trees and snakes uh, are their ancestors. And so even though they killed the snake, if it's a python, they won't kill it. They won't kill a python. They'll drag it to where it's safe. Uh, the only Python I've heard of them killing was whenever they had gone fishing and then they had it almost on like a stringer of sorts. And then a big Python came by and took their fish. And then the guy was so mad he killed that Python. Um, but the pygmies were mad at him for killing a Python, uh, because they aren't poisonous, but the black mambas, they know how dangerous they are. I think it's like 20, 30 minutes and you're gone. And those things can get up to like eight or 10 feet long. And they're the fastest snake in the world. They're one of the most venomous. So the fastest, most aggressive one of the longest, and uh, so it just seems like Congo, man, like everything. There's some of the most beautiful places in the world. I mean, the mountains covered on the equator, covered with, I mean, the most gorgeous trees, uh, silverback gorillas. I mean, just some beautiful stuff there, but you there's run some you silverback
0: stuff. gorillas in the wild?
1: No, I, I haven't. I haven't. I've, I think they said I've heard, we've heard them, and we've heard definitely monkeys, um, but I haven't seen the gorillas. Have the, you seen monkeys? Oh, yeah, oh you yeah, a lot like time. yeah it 's uh, the Maasai, not the pygmies, but the Maasai actually will target practice with their rungus, their clubs they 'll throw those at the monkeys, and so
0: poor monkeys, yeah, the monkeys get no fucking slack it 's <laughs> just like the pygmies, the pygmies, the monkeys, the little guys get picked on
1: yeah, and I actually that that uh, black Mamba that was up there. Uh, I heard them going nuts. And so whenever I got up and I crawl out of my hut, which, I mean, those things for me to get inside sometimes have to be on my elbows. Right. Uh, And so I start getting out of it and I'm like, what's going on? And I I had a video of it and uh, I actually cut it off right before uh, I asked the question, but I didn't know what kind of snake it was. I thought black mambas were black, like just black, but it's actually their mouths. When they open their mouths, it's like pitch black inside their mouth. Even their like teeth are black. And so um, that's Whoa. how they got their name, black mambas. And so uh, – but they're they're gray on top and then white on their belly. And so I didn't think it was a black mamba at all. And so I was uh, – uh, yeah, I was getting out of my hut and then I got slapped in the belly uh, and stopped. And I didn't know what was going on until I got my phone on because it's pitch black.
0: Look at that and creepy so, picture. Yeah, man.
1: That's the thing I almost stepped on. And it's like 20 or 30 minutes and you're dead. Oh, what a creepy um, looking alien-like yeah. creature. And they had only hit it in the – Back of the tail. And so Ooh. it was still slithering around. Actually, I'll pull up the wow. video. I don't think I uploaded it to anywhere, but maybe my phone.
0: So they, they won't eat these even though it's a source of protein and they're no. probably hungry. No, nope,
1: not at all. Are they edible though, black mambas? I, I don't know about black mambas. I know the, the pythons are. Uh, Rattlesnakes are actually pretty tasty. Yeah, I think, I think if you cut it off far, enough, off far enough down from its head, then I bet it wouldn't be poisonous. But they weren't going to eat it at all. Huh, yeah. And then I, I asked on the right before this video uh, cuts off. I ask if uh, if it's poisonous, and so yeah, I don't know if I can if I can email this. So to you guys p- pretty much
0: everybody there must know somebody who's been killed by something natural in that area. Oh yeah, whether it's a crocodile or whether uh-huh. it's an, a lion or whether it's whatever the hell else is out there. Yeah, the,
1: the rivers close to the pygmies are full of crocodiles Dude. and hippos. So crocodiles and hippos live in the same thing.
0: Oh, uh, hippos too,
1: man. That's another problem, right? Don't yeah. hippos
0: kill more people even than crocodiles?
1: Yeah, a lot more. And oh, uh, they told me they've seen carcasses of crocodiles that must have gotten too close to the hippos. And the hippos will kill crocodiles. I uh, ruined it.
0: I got a video of uh, hippos uh, and crocodiles all in the same yeah. water hole. And the hippos are like swimming right next to the crocodiles. And they don't give a fuck about the crocodiles. And they're never remotely mm. concerned.
1: I don't, think, I don't think hippos are, are concerned about anything. And I don't mm. know if you know, but they, they do like a bark I mean, it literally sounds like they're barking, um, like a softer bark, not so like like dogish, but it it sounds like a bark, and that's how hippos like communicate and stuff. Oh. And so, uh, like in the morning and in, in the afternoon, like it, towards like the sun setting and sun coming up, the hippos are are barking, and so you hear that, and uh, so you hear so that. you're you in your little ants.
0: leaf house, <laughs> yeah, and you hear these yeah. murderous giant pigs. Yeah, they're like, are yeah. they <laughs> something like a pig or cousin to a pig or some shit like that? Probably.
1: Yeah, are they? I think, I think, I think, I think, I think they, they are. are. And I think there's even like pygmy hippos. So, uh, there's uh, like really? pygmy hippos, pygmy crocodiles, pygmy monkeys, which are like the size of your finger. Um, wow. like, mo- like actual monkeys that are like that. monkeys the size of your finger. Yeah. yeah. Are you anywhere
0: near that area of the Congo? Uh, I think it's called Bili. Do you know where that is? Bini? Bili, B-I-L-I. Uh, Benny is really close. B-E-N-I. No, I don't think um, that's Bailey, it. It's, um, have you ever heard of uh, that chimpanzee that they found there?
1: Oh, the one that's supposed to be massive.
0: Yeah. Uh, the,
1: the, I've heard stories from the pygmies talking about a, uh, a like, human-type... And not human type. They weren't talking about like Bigfoot. And if they were, I guess they were talking about me, <laughs> but, uh, but no, they, they, they talk about, uh, different kinds of animals and, but they also talk about sp- seeing spirits and stuff like that. But, right. Uh, right. But right. I mean, I've asked them about, I forget what they call it. There's like an actual like Swahili name that they call that, uh, that potential dinosaur of sorts. Yeah. my uh, well, friend there.
0: David Cho actually went out there looking for it a long time ago for vice. He yeah. went for vice.com and he, he went to look, In the Congo for like a brontosaurus. Wow. Well, it's so
1: crazy. They like there's a saying. uh, The Congo is called the heart of darkness and uh, on the dark continent. And like the pygmies, I think, are the ones that have the saying that it's I I can't really say it eloquent like they do. But it's called uh, it's they say like it's basically hard for a fish to navigate through the rivers Mm -hmm. because of how thick everything is. Um, and it's just hiking and, and everything is just, I, it's actually, I guess, better to be a pygmy because it's, it's hard to move uh, around, to move around, especially whenever you have like an 80 pound pack on your back. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, how I'm going to go. I haven't sent this picture in, but that's, uh, that's part of the ways that we get through like 85 kilometers hiking and stuff. Wow. So it's just so thick.
0: Yeah, the people tried. Some European um, uh, noblemen tried to live there. They tried to settle into the Congo because there was such a vast amount of resources. They just figured, look, yeah. we'll just carve out a little place and then make a house. And the, the forest just swallowed it all up. Yeah, I They think, just couldn't keep
1: off. Yeah, I think um, in the 18, late 1800s or early 1900s, that was whenever they went there for all the rubber mm-hmm. yeah. um, and really slaughtered a lot of the Congolese. And then... Um, since then, they, they came in for the gold and diamonds and now they're there for the coltan and you can go through whole uh, colonial uh, like settlements that are from like uh, the – from Belgium and other places that have settled there and it's from like the early 1900s and it's just uh, almost like ghost towns. Um, but they 're like the Belgian colonization stuff, and wow. nobody lives there, like trees are growing up through them and everything but they 're brick buildings, and the Congolese don 't live in brick buildings a lot of them don 't unless you 're more towards the city. Wow, so um these
0: pygmies that you talked to had they seen that big giant chimpanzee had any of no. them no
1: i i, I don 't know i whenever i I heard lots of different stuff and normally they open up around the campfire at night. I would have to pretend sometimes to go to sleep um for the bantu slave masters or the kids to leave. And so Shalom University calls it campfire university for the pygmies because they'll open up and they'll be real around the campfire. And uh they'll actually cuz if I ask him in front of I had a chief uh of the bantu um come to me and welcome me, it will first he was like what do you want with my people? What do you want with my property? Uh, and then he, and then I told him I was just there to learn. Um, I was with the university we're there learning, doing research and just here to, to help and benefit. And then he gave me an egg um, and told me he had a gift for me. And uh, so he gave me just one single egg. Uh, it wasn't until, and I was so grateful and thankful because, you know, he gave me uh, a gift and I was going to be able to eat it and everything else. And as I'm cooking it uh, and, and the pygmies are helping me cook it. Uh, And after I eat it, um, they finally tell me around the campfire after I had pretended to go to sleep and then got up to come back around the campfire to talk for hours until we fall asleep around the campfire. um, They finally told me uh, that the, the egg they gave me wasn't the Bantu chiefs. It was the pygmy chiefs and the pygmy chief had saved that to give to me because he heard that a visitor was coming. And so the Bantu chief, like, just, you know, took his gift, completely stole it, and acted like it was his. Uh, and really it was the pygmy chief, and he was giving me everything that he had to give me because wow. that's food for right. them. Like, food's food's their livelihood, um, and that was a clean source of food. And uh, so, yeah, it's just – it's pretty messed up how they treat them. Wow. That's so
0: – that's got to be so strange for you to be around both of them, to be around the Bantu people. and yeah. Do you do you try to communicate that there's there's something wrong with this? Or? Yeah,
1: absolutely, man. And and uh, in, so in six of the places I went to, they referred to them as these are my slaves, these are my people, these are my property, kind of of sorts. Mm-hmm. Three of the places I went that were even deeper in the jungle, they said, "What do you want with my animals?" Oh. Um, because they believe them to be so low class, like that. The, I see them, man. The 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 tribes that surround me. It's, I, it, most of it's Bantu. Sometimes it's rebels. Sometimes it's other tribes. Uh, but they, uh, they treat them worse than they treat their cattle Than they treat their goat. Well, they don't have cattle, but they have goats. And I I don't know if that falls in the cattle category, but, uh, but they treat their goats better than they treat pygmies. That's insane. And they've always done this. This is just, well, the pygmies used to never have to depend on the Bantu. So this is why, I mean, on the UG, some people have really been, uh, they're really interested and they've been trying to find out what kind of slavery there is. And the slaves that we've been able to set free, they weren't in shackles and they weren't held to gunpoint. Like, I don't know how to do that with the rebels yet. Maybe in the year I'm there, um, I can befriend them. Like, I, I had to befriend the uh, slave masters so they would want to to learn and stuff. Um, and so with the Bantu people, we just had to sit there and say, like, hey, you know, these are people. Like, I'm an educated guy from the United States I'm not really that educated but uh but the Shalom University guys those four guys I'm with two have masters degrees and two have uh doctorates so they're really educated and they're the ones leading the university so I'm like these guys are 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 knowledgeable and 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 I came from the US these are actually people like fully human beings and the bantu eyes will get big like what and then they'll see us treating them like humans treating them like they have value treating them like you know they're they're, they're like like they should be treated. Right. Um, and so it starts to, to change some of the things. And, and the pygmies are more slave to the Bantu through circumstance. They used to not depend on them. They used to be hunters and gatherers and not have to worry about it. But whenever I can see the sun at times and it sounds like this earthquaking thunder going on all throughout the day, thunder going on. But I see the sun. It's not raining on me. I'm like, why is there thunder? And then we finally get close enough to where we see some of the deforestation going on. And these are, these are trees that you could drive two Mack trucks through. You know and 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 they 're cutting these trees down, and whenever those things fall, it sounds like thunder, wow. and so the animals just flee i mean and, and i think I think last I heard and i i don 't know that it 's scientific, maybe someone can find it, but uh but I think they said that the deforestation in the Congo, the second largest rainforest in the world, um, is up to the size of Texas or over Texas in the last like fifteen, twenty years. Oh my last 15, 20 years, man, they've deforested the size of Texas, and I've seen it. I've gone to places where it's just big, lush, awesome forest, and then you go to this place and it's just, like, wrecked, and it goes from, like, looking like the rainforest to now it's looking like this might turn into, like, deserty kind of stuff because, like, they've just – it's barren. And no one does any – or makes any attempt to replenish the forest. No, not at all. And see, that is why – the rainforest conservationists, the wildlife preservationist, are getting involved in ways that they're trying to buy up that land and protect it. And I agree with that. That's why I feel like what what Shalom's wanting to do and what I'm wanting to partner with them it's a it's a all encompassing thing where it's like human slave liberation, it's a rainforest preservation and wildlife conservation. It's 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 attractive to to all those people. There must be a tremendous
0: amount of money that they're making from those trees, though. No.
1: Oh massive amounts. I mean, some of those are very rare woods. Uh, other things that they're using it for is, uh, is charcoal that see in the Congo, since they don't have like electric, um, electric plants and things like that, they have to cook for them to cook. If they burn up wood, it's not as uh, long lasting or as hot as charcoal. So I have a picture of a woman that was a slave for charcoal and, um, she had to, her slave master put this bag of maybe 120 pounds minimum, I mean, the bag of charcoal was taller than she was. I mean, a pygmy woman is, is, is small. Um, I don't know if you can pull up the one, Chaibu Siku, the picture that says Chaibu Siku. Um, but, I mean, these are small people. And they're carrying bags of charcoal where two slave masters put it on their back, tie a rope around their head. And this woman having to walk four or five kilometers on these little paths carrying this charcoal. And they'll cut down the trees to make charcoal. They'll cut them down. And they'll start a fire, and, but they'll put, like, dirt over the fire, and it smolders, and it, I don't know if it's a week-long process or a few-day-long process, but it makes it just uh, long-burning. And so that's how most people uh, cook in the Congo and in Rwanda and in Uganda and in Burundi, and those places will get charcoal from the Congo jungle because there's so much wood, they don't even think about it. Wow. Yeah. What a fucking
0: trip! <laughs> so these these poor people that are are just recently slaved hmm. these uh, these poor people these poor pygmies before that they they were be, they were able to hunt and gather they were yeah. able to do everything were they treated as people then?
1: Uh, I would say they were treated a lot better, but still they've never been believed to be um fully human. They've always thought of them as subhuman, part monkey, part mm-hmm. um part man. And uh the thing is that with the Bantu, uh the relationship the Bantu and pygmies used to have is they would trade. The pygmies were master hunters and they still are, uh, if there was more wildlife this was especially. But they would go hunt bushmeat. And then they would come to the Bantu bush, what's bushmeat? Bush meat I mean, bush like, meat, monkeys, like yeah. uh some monkeys um uh, also antelope and uh, just anything wild game inside of. So that's Chaibu Siku that you just put up. That's my mom in the tribe. Whoa. That's so, a grown woman. Yeah. She's in her mid 40s. She's probably as old as my mom is. Wow. Uh, my mom, I think, is 46. So oh that's Chaibu Siku. And uh, she's awesome. Wow. Uh, she, that was her first picture ever taken of her. So uh, I have some other ones where she's smiling. But that that's the one that shows her uh, her size. So that's how they got their name, uh, Pygmy, which is elbow height. So they really are just like the bullied people of the world. Oh, yeah, most man. bullied people of the world. I mean, I, I, there was times that I've gotten sick to my stomach hearing the stories that have happened to them. And, and, and that's what I was saying. The, the, they would go hunt, and then they would come to the edge of the forest where the Bantu are. And the Bantu grow corn, grow, grow beans, and they would w- basically want some side dishes to go with their meat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would trade sometimes like the— the, the wild plants that they would gather um, and they would come and trade their either bushmeat or their hunted animals and their different kinds of like mushrooms and stuff. And they'd trade it with the Bantu peoples for some corn or beans or rice or uh, cassava leaves, uh, which they can make uh, ugali out of. Um, it's like kind of paste like thing that takes on the flavor of the meat. And uh, they would they would had a trading relationship. Sometimes Bantu would go find the pygmies because they wanted some meat. And they weren't the best uh, shepherds, and so they could grow the corn and beans, but they wanted some meat, and so that's how the relationship started. And then they started to get exploited. Whenever they could no longer hunt like they 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 really can, um, the animals started fleeing, uh, and the wildlife conservationist and and rainforest preservationists, preservationists are trying to push them towards the road. They made a bunch of promises. Uh, I mean, a lot of these NGOs. Uh, That had their special interest would promise the pygmies. If you go off this deep forest, if you let us have this, um, we'll take care of you whenever you're closer to the road. We'll make sure you're taken care of. And then they just never took care of them. Uh, And then the Bantu buy up the land from underneath them and then enslave them and say, you're on our land. You work it. And so it's just kind of a a whole crazy. How do these people feel about you
0: taking off, going to America to to let everybody know about them and then flying back again? I mean, is this a, this must be so bizarre for them.
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's, what's crazy at first, every, all the nine, well, I've been to more than nine, but the last time I went, I went to nine different tribes and of pygmies, a little nine villages. Each one of them had never seen a white dude before. uh, So, that scares them. I mean, there'd be times that it would take an hour, uh, maybe even sometimes a little over an hour before someone in that, that tribe, most of the time it was always women or children, uh, that would finally come up to me and touch me to make sure they don't go through me. Like I was a spirit or a ghost of some sort. Um, and then once one person felt me and I'd play a game with them or something like that, then more would, I mean, literally come out from hiding behind trees come out from, uh, from the forest. Whenever I come in, sometimes they would flee, run, cry kids like flailing on the ground, like just freaked out by me. Um, but whenever I'd make friends with them, uh, then they would ask me one thing, every place that I went in all nine tribes, uh, they asked me, um, will I help them have a voice? That was the thing. They're like, we have no voice here. They're the only tribe not allowed to have their citizenship, um, in Congo. And like, so they have zero voice. Wow
0: what a strange turn your life has taken that this yeah. is uh you've gone from being on the house and the ultimate fighter, you know, competing in the heavyweight version of the show to now living in a grass hut yeah. in the Congo. What a, that's a strange or a leaf hut
1: rather. Yeah. So what a strange journey you're on, man. Yeah. And to be honest, I wouldn't change it. I mean, with, especially with this video going viral and with uh, yesterday, um, us, talking about a book deal and and today I went out to uh to lunch with a publicist that uh, really worked on the blind side and the movie invincible and uh I forget some other big time blockbusters that he worked on but uh I mean people are saying that this is a a kind of crazy story and the whole thing is a Sandra Bullock movie man there we go I'm gonna have her I'm gonna have her play me (laughs) (laughs) that's what I'm saying (laughs) why is Justin a chick yeah yeah, yeah, well, so, we
0: pulled it and, uh, people are more likely to believe that a, there's more vulnerable situations. You get this giant MMA fighter going to the Congo, kicking people's asses. That ain't right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, man, I just, the, the wild turn is, man, I just feel like it's, it's something that I can be fully wholeheartedly passionate about. And, um, I'm fulfilled doing it, and uh, and when I say they're my family, I, I mean it. <laughs> oh, you, you uh, seem very, very sincere. How old are you, Justin? Twenty-five.
0: So this is a good time. You don't have kids. You don't mm-hmm. have responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You can you can go and just uh, follow your your desire and your passion and your 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 interest
1: here. Yeah, the only thing uh, that really I mean I have a future wife and uh, gotta find so, her. What's that? You got to find her no, or she's I, here? I have her. I have her in Dallas. Jesus Christ. She's in Dallas and you're going to the fucking Congo yeah. for a year? Yeah. So how does she think about that? Um, at first, well, at first she was pumped. Then, <laughs> then uh, she, she's done like some different trips around the world and has gone and helped uh, orphanages in, in uh, Mexico. And she kind of has a heart to maybe one day start an orphanage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's got a great heart, man. She's awesome. She's gorgeous. Um, but... Uh, the first time I went, um, I went one time before we started uh, dating and then the second time I went, uh, it, was, it was hard. It was hard for her because she started doing some research, started finding out that uh, the Congolese people call it the African Holocaust. That's what they call it um, because depending on what stat you look at, um, they say it surpasses uh, the death, uh, death toll of the Jews in the Holocaust, which is pretty crazy. But some stats say 6.8 million Congolese in the last 10 years. Some say over 5 million, but it's between 5 million and 7 million, man. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it really is like one of the, if not the, it is the worst conflict zone last year in 2012, because then she was saying, maybe I'll go with you. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah. And then, uh, maybe, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. And, uh, But the stat for 2012 was that over 400,000 women were raped in the Congo. It's 58 women every 60 minutes.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you you can't bring uh, your woman
1: to the Congo. No, no, not, especially not. The Congo is the most dangerous Walmart parking lot in the world. (laughs) Uh, and so it's, uh, it's, it's been a crazy journey. It's made us both grow a lot in our relationship too. um, me being gone for that month there and her, you know, sitting there and thinking about if am i okay because i had no contact um so all this different stuff we we've really been on a journey and we were talking about even getting married before i went and then now we're we're talking about waiting until i get back uh from the year but it's just something i know i got to do are you going to
0: come back at all
1: during that year so far, no. Uh, spring, I mean, break. Yeah, spring break? yes, spring break. Actually, my girlfriend's sister is getting married, and uh, I might want to come back for that. But uh, Wow. But so far, no. And it depends on my visa. Uh, luckily, with Shalom University, I might be able to get like a student visa. Uh, I might be able to do something with a school to get a year-long visa. But if I can't get a year-long visa, I might have to come back. And you have uh, no income while you're doing all this? <laughs> no, man. I, I have... The last year and a half, man, I've honestly felt like I was just a nut, like, a, well, not a nut. I knew it was right, but I felt like a lone nut. Like everybody, people be like, oh, that's really good. But why don't you go back to fighting? Uh, I mean, I've won my last three fights and then I took some time off to go see the world and see what people I could fight for. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find anyone better to fight for than the pygmies because they're the worst off people group on the planet. And, uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's been a crazy journey, you know, from people, a uh, family, from close friends, all saying I'm an idiot for giving up fighting and I could actually do it well. And, um, at grudge training center going from, from being invited there after the ultimate fighter to then being kicked off of it when I was a drug addict to then being invited back onto it. Uh, and then, um, me saying, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave and go, go here. And then them being like, what are you doing? You know, uh, my coach, Trevor Whitman, he's awesome. I love that dude.
0: Very, best, very good yeah. coach
1: bro he's one of the best guys i know as a person too mm-hmm. he's just incredible him and his wife a big giving hearts and we uh we set up three different hospital visits for the for grudge fight team i was an official volunteer at the uh denver children's hospital so we went there three different times as an official like whole team um and so that was great that was how i started showing them hey i've really made a, a life change here i'm no longer the drug addict that was coming in here and uh and i mean are actually a depressed drunk drug addict tried to take my own life, all this different stuff. And what were you, um, what
0: were you addicted to?
1: Was I addicted to a what bunch of pills, a bunch of pain pills. I had three different doctors that would, that would give me scripts. And, uh, I had one doctor that would give me hundred at a time. Uh, and I could go to all three of a hundred at a time. No joke. Well, wait, which pills? Uh, well, hydrocodone a lot, but then also, um, I even got into like harder stuff like Oxy. hydrocodone. Is that Vicodin? Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then Oxy. And, um, I mean, oxy's the hardest, right? Yeah, bro. I, I don't, I don't remember two to two and a half months of my life. Like just there's no memories except for there's one hazy memory and it was from my best friend at the time. And, and we're, we're building that relationship back. But, uh, uh, my best friend at the time, the guy that got me into fighting, uh, my first fight was because he was in the hospital and, uh, and he couldn't make it to the fight. He had a staff infection where they almost thought he was going to lose his his leg. It was that bad. And a lot then, uh, of guys get that. Huh? Oh man, yeah. And he got he got he got put to the side. Like they literally thought we might have to take his leg. Uh, it was deep into his like. Oh, they thought it might have been in his femur bone. And, oh my god. Uh, yeah. So he was laid up, man. And uh, and then I went to the to the promoter, told him he's out. Then the guy started talking trash. He just ended up in the hospital one day early. And the promoter had watched me wrestle. It was in Oklahoma. And so he knew my high school wrestling coaches who were both two Olympic gold medalists, both wrestled at Oklahoma State, were national champions there, Kenny Monday and Kendall Cross. And uh, Kenny Monday fought MMA for a while. Yeah, yeah. He was one of my training partners too whenever I was – in coaches whenever I was fighting. Um, he's been a coach of mine since I was 15 years old. Uh, and then, yeah, anyways, the guy – uh, his name's Justin McCorkle. I think he's like a uh, four and one, uh, pro MMA heavyweight. And, um, yeah, I missed his wedding, not just being there, but being the best man. And I wow. remember I had an eight minute voicemail. and made it like 10 seconds through because it said something like you missed my wedding. And then I'm like, Oh freak, you know? And then it paused and he goes, you miss being my best man. <laughs> Uh, and then I just remember hanging up and going straight back to the drugs. And so I had my medical marijuana license for three years, which I'm cool with people having that. But I went with, I went, I I would always piggyback everything. Like I would, the reason grudge voted me off the team was I started waking up and fixing my steel cut oats, fixing my egg whites, getting my berries, putting in the steel cut oats, um, fixing all that, but then, uh, starting on my vaporizer before practice and then hitting, uh, the pain pills and then starting with, uh, washing it down with hard liquor, man. And Whoa. so then I'd go train and they knew it. They knew that I was sweated out, uh, out of my pore was coming liquor. Um, oh they knew God. that, I mean, they, I had, how would you I had train guys like call that? Me, bro, I don't know. I, I mean, I was going through a literal, when I say depression, I mean like the darkest, deepest, um, most desperate time of my life. And what was that being caused by? um selfishness i don 't know man uh a lot of different things that that didn 't uh that didn 't make sense to me. I grew up at thirteen years old i was I was heavily bullied that 's when I found the u f c uh thirteen I, I sat at the lunch table by myself had people throw stuff at me i uh, I was invited to My middle school crushes like a birthday party and, uh, and it was a costume party. I got the invitation. I'm like, no way costume party wins a prize. And I remember her dad worked for Dr. Pepper and, um, she loved Transformers. So I came to the party as a Dr. Pepper transformer, like with the Dr. Pepper cardboard and made out of, uh, made out of duct tape and, and Dr. Pepper boxes. And, uh, I got there and I was 30 minutes late. Everyone's pointing, laughing, calling me an idiot. And that was whenever I was probably, I guess maybe in the first fight of my life, uh, was suicidal thoughts. Cause they were like, you're so worthless. You should just kill yourself um Kids 13 so oh, bro. mean yeah i mean i left there <laughs> get so mean yeah. man oh i there no cell phone so i yeah. walked and i got to dairy queen i lived in the country so we like they they call that the texas stop sign dairy queen and uh and so uh i went to dairy queen and uh i, I think i remember one of the uh employees um, coming out to throw away trash and i'm like sitting there behind the dairy queen right in between kind of the dumpster And then they're like what's going on? And I was just sobbing and then I went inside and called my mom She wasn't there for a little bit I had to sit in there. They asked what was going on anyways That was a big left turn, but that's when I found the ufc and I thought uh, Maybe a few weeks after that and I thought these guys don't get bullied uh, These guys are like modern day gladiators um, I, I and I, I was man, I was mesmerized by the sport of it because I loved sports, and I always played sports growing up, um, but this was multiple sports, put in one, and i 'm like, man, if I could just become one of those guys i 'll have all the passion, the purpose, the significance the i 'll never be this dude that I am right now, <laughs> and uh, i'll i 'll be the exact opposite and so I set out for that and started at fifteen, started wrestling under two Olympic gold medalists, seventeen won my first national championship eighteen was living back and forth with the Olympic Training Center. Nineteen started fighting professionally. Twenty one I was on the ultimate fighter. Twenty two, um fighting. Twenty-three it was main event at the the Hard Rock in another promotion. And I think every time I got my hand raised and it got worse as this drug problem got on, but uh uh yeah, I, I stopped looking forward to even the victories of fighting and started looking forward to the parties after the fight. And then I started thinking like, uh I don't know, every time I get my hand raised uh, if you can find a picture of me or a video of me smiling after a fight, that would be the first for me because I don't think I smiled after any of them. Wow. Um, I was always looking towards the next one. You know, most guys jumping up, smiling, screaming. When
0: I was just, your issue with, uh, with drugs? Was it after the ultimate fighter? Or it was,
1: it was, it was before and after it got really bad after. And I mean, it got brutal after I, uh, Actually, the the week of my John, I don't know if I've ever. I told Loretta Hunt this um, a couple of days. I, I did an interview for Sports Illustrated, and uh, um, I, the week of my John Matson fight, I was taking handfuls of pills, and I was uh, and 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 some guys can function, um, and and fight and everything. Me though, I I would piggyback everything. If I got if I got high, I needed I needed the pills, or I needed a drink, or I never did one thing that was my that was a, a huge problem of mine. I always piggybacked that I had to have something else and uh so i was doing that the week of my john Matson fight for the finale well you were there and i was high that week and uh and uh, the pain pills like lots of pain pills like the day before i didn't the night the day of how did you not test positive they didn't they didn't test me on that one they tested me when i fought at the hard rock but at that one they didn't test they only tested uh the main events wow i think that was the time that the commission yeah or even the I think the commission hit a time where they didn't test everybody on the card. Mm-hmm. They were only going to do like the main event fights or something like that. And then I was kind of in that window. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's crazy, man. What What would happen yeah. if they did test you?
1: Oh, I would have failed big <clears throat> time. Would just you like have... a lot of the other guys do. But I, I mean, not a lot of the other guys. But you knew you guys.
0: weren't going to be tested. Is that why you kept taking the pills?
1: Uh, I... I, I f- Honestly, yeah, anyway. yeah, I would have taken them anyway. I would have taken him anyway. I didn't care. I never did any sort of steroids. Never. Uh, I already, <laughs> I already felt empty enough, I guess with some of the victories. And I think whenever it got real bad was after that Roy Nelson fight on the ultimate fighter and Dana and rampage and Rashad and coach T and basically everybody except Roy uh, was telling me that it should have, well, that I won or that it should have gone to a third round at least because I think one judge thought I won two thought he won. And it was a split and it, we only went two rounds and for me, this was my dream. And, uh, and so whenever that was taken from me, and I felt like it was taken in a wrong way. Then what really got bad was after the Madsen fight, um, I lost a split decision again. So two, back-to-back. I just I, I lost it, and I went straight. I mean, I don't even remember that week in Vegas. So. What started you off on pills in the first place? You, was it an injury? Uh, yeah, this right here. Um, so Do you know how many
0: times I've a, heard that, man? Well, a yeah. guy gets injured, his doctor puts him on pills— yeah. Carl Prezian, same story, yep. went off the deep end. How goddamn addicted are the addictive are these
1: pills? And they're just Man, c- I know. handing them out to people. I, I remember, uh, I, bet, I bet my mom would confirm it, but uh, whenever this happened, I was 18, and I was living at the Olympic Training Center, and I wrestled uh, against a world champion. I didn't give up a point. It was kind of like I, I could have given up a point. It would have been similar to could have tapped or let it snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just didn't want to give up a point. So I let my arm snap. And, uh, anyways, I probably took at least a month worth of the oxycodones in a week. After that, I went back, probably took three weeks worth. What and happened the next to your week, arm? What position was it in? It was just, uh, just wrestling, right? Greco Roman wrestling. Mm-hmm, right. So, uh, have you ever seen a gut wrench? Like sure. In Greco, how they go to turn somebody. Uh-huh. Um, so I was fighting it. Explain it to people who don't know anything. Yeah. About if, you don't, if you don't know it, playing. I was, I was, uh, on my belly, a guy who maybe, Uh, Took me down and and once he's on your back He goes to do a gut wrench He wraps around your ribs and he starts to crank down With his shoulder on the back of your shoulder blades You're trying to fight it so your back doesn't uh, Break 90 It breaks 90 degrees and and your back Angles towards the mat Uh, The guy gets two points or maybe one point Sometimes Uh, but I didn't want to Have my uh, back break 90 To where he get any points So just let it keep fighting, 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 fighting and I tried to to do this hop thing, and whenever I went to do the hop, that's whenever all his weight came down on it. Wow. Super experienced guy. He was like thirty three, thirty four, and I was eighteen at the Olympic Training Center. Where he was a world champion, Olympic bronze or silver medalist, and it just snapped. And whenever it snapped, it went completely behind my back. One of my buddies at the Olympic Training Center puked because of it, and uh, wow. so I was laying on it completely behind my back. Like if I was on the bat, uh, the mat right now, it was completely behind my back, wow. except it was this way.
0: So oh this, whole
1: part of, yeah, this whole part of my arm it was wicked this whole part of my arm was under my back so it oh. it, it broke it it dislocated it and it tore the ulnar collateral ligament um, so they did a nerve transposition so I have no more funny bone uh, they moved it to where it's right here so if I talk on the phone too long these three nerves go numb or I'm sorry these three fingers go numb uh, and then they took a they were going to do is it a cadaver or a cadaver? cadaver cadaver so they were going to use a cadaver Um, but then
0: nerves, that's zombie
1: shit. No, no, for the, the torn ligament, the UCL, the ulnar collateral ligament. But then instead they use the, uh, there's like three tendons in your hamstring that are kind of like this. And they took the center one out and they said a tendon is stronger than a ligament. And like, we want to put something strong in there if you're wanting to be an Olympic caliber athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, and they said that that was actually maybe a harder chance for it to, to take, um, but it was the best chance to take instead of a cadaver, which might be weaker or smaller person than me. Your body could reject it. Right.
0: Like and, you, Dominic Cruz. would Have a cadaver graft nine yeah. months in. brutal. Blows it out. Has to do
1: it all over again. Yeah. And so they, they wanted to use that tendon because it was stronger. Mm-hmm. And he said, and it's going to be from your leg. And he goes, and you want to fight someday? And I go, yeah. And he said, well, this will be like you're kicking someone in the face then. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, so that's whenever the drug problem probably started. I remember – I was I was piggybacking even then, kind of started going into depression because I thought, man, did I just lose my Olympic dreams and my MMA dreams? Uh, So and I was doing all the oxycodone. How old
0: old were you at this time when you hurt yourself? Eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. So you're eighteen years old. No drug problem before. No. Get on the pills and boom. That smoked weed before and
1: I drank, but I was never. No, nothing where I had to have anything. I have
0: people in my family that have had the same issue. A guy got injured and all of a sudden taking pills for his back and he's a fucking loser now i mean he's just gone he's a normal guy and now he's a loser and i've met so many people that know somebody that has that same story or that have that same story and then like you pulled themselves out of it it's so terrifying yeah so terrifying how they're just handing out some of the most addictive medication that the world has ever known yeah that that really
1: is what it is it's brutal man heroin it's heroin yeah you know and i would drive on it i would uh Man, I, and I know that's you you, hey, you should have that reaction. I, I have that reaction to me now looking yeah. back at my life and, and, and just, I mean, I don't know, thank God that I didn't, I didn't kill somebody right. or a family or, but I remember the time that I really wanted to end it. I just took a, a, a handful of the hydrocodones. Um, I was taking Adderall too. Uh, and then I was, uh, Drinking straight? Oh, well, actually, I didn't drink it straight. But I, I had it uh, in a Sonic cup, but it was clear mixed oh. with like a strawberry slush. Yeah, brutal. God um, damn, Justin then, Randall's had a yeah, party. I told yeah, you, <laughs> motherfuckers got a dead yeah. pig on his shoulder. <laughs> that's yeah. the guy to hang yeah. out with. And then I was, I was, I had my uh, tinctures. You know what tinctures are? Sure. Yeah. And so I had those, and um, and so I just took it all. Oh. And I'm driving. Oh my God, and I, and that's I blacked a crazy combination. Out. Oh of, yeah, yeah, what yeah. a confusion in your yeah. mind. You had a, a, oh. a civil war going on yeah. in your brain. I did, and I blacked out driving, and uh I I dude, I've been so low that I've woke up in a drug house up in kind of uh, outside on the outskirts of Summit County. Um and uh oh you used to did you live in Boulder? Yeah. Yeah, so you know where Summit County is then with like Breckenridge sure. and yeah, um, sure. Keystone. Uh so it's woke up and up oh man, I loved it. God's country. Yeah. I wish uh yeah, I'm in Texas right now, so Congo is going to be beautiful too, but I miss color. Congo is another level. Yeah. Congo is a different level of life.
0: It's like so vibrant and green yeah. and rainy and everything yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you know this. This is a completely different subject, but in Uganda, uh, right on the border of where I'm at, there's it's on the equator. Uh-huh. Uh, it is the jungle, um, but there's mountains that are so high that they're, I think, the only uh, – e- Glaciers that you can find on the equator. So there's oh. like actual glaciers in Uganda in Africa on the equator, on the equator, right outside the jungle.
0: What the yeah.
1: fuck? Yeah. So there's glaciers. That's insane. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, that's completely random. What made you straighten up? What made you sober up? Um, I knew I was gonna die. Well, that was one thing. Uh, How did you do it? How did you clean up? Uh, for me personally. Um, I, I had this guy that, that was just brutal, man. He, uh, brutal in, in a way, like he was relentless. He was just coming after me, man, saying that I had a purpose to live for, um, saying that, you know, uh, he told me this and I remember, I'll always remember this It's my buddy named Jeff Duncan. He'll probably be watching this. He's a awesome dude, man. Has a great family, great wife, great kids. Um, and he told me, Justin, you're in the battle for your life. Like if you, this life is a battleground, not a playground. If you treat it like a playground, you will lose the battle. And then he started talking to me like, what's your game plan for victory here? And I'm like, man, I got a perfect game plan, right? Like, I mean. Um, Thank God that guy didn't yeah. find Brian.
0: He'd <laughs> be like, well, I, no, no, I'm not. No, no battle. <laughs> I'm here to play. That's <laughs> right.
1: What the fuck? What am I going to lose at? Eating too much pussy? <laughs> And so
0: he, t- he told you that you have to find your purpose.
1: Yeah. He said I had to find a purpose and that I had a purpose. And what does this gentleman do? Um, he's a roofer. So I, i he's a childhood friend and, uh, not a, actually he's even older. Like I had some family friends and a dad, a guy that was like a second dad to me and his kids are some of my best friends. And, um, and Jeff was kind of in that, that core group, but I, he had heard through the grapevine, uh, that my mom had come and checked on me during that like two and a half period. And I think my, my dad might've came, but, uh, but she had broken into my house that was in Colorado, not broken in, but she just was able to get through the back door, saw the drugs, saw the pills, saw how I was living and it looked like hoarders or just, just filthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she knew that he might be the one guy that could get to me and get through to me. And so he called me every single day for two months. I mean, called me, left me a voicemail, texted me and emailed me Wow. and was pissing me off, man. I was getting livid with him.
0: Wow. Uh,
1: and then whenever I got kicked off a grudge, I got out to my f- phone and got out to my car. I was like in angry tears. I didn't know what to do um, because like I was living my dream, but it was a nightmare <laughs> And my dream was reality, but it was literally a nightmare. Right, you're living your dream um, as a
0: competitive MMA fighter, yeah, but you're also a yeah. drug addict. I,
1: I had, I had transformed successfully. I guess we can go back to that. I transformed successfully from that 13 year old loser that was invited to the parties. And now I was that maybe quote unquote, modern day gladiator, ultimate fighter, mixed martial artist. And, uh, and somehow I wasn't fulfilled. Somehow I, 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 I was a depressed drug addict. And, um, and whenever I got to my car, I had, a, a Text message, voicemail, all this stuff. Didn't want to hear from them. But the text message said, this was when your iPhone, it didn't just say text message on it. It would say like the actual message. Mm-hmm. And on the actual message on the screen, it said, check your email. Checked my email. The very first thing said, uh, game plan for victory. Um, and then whenever I opened it up, it said the best thing you'll ever do in your life. Uh, And it was a trip that was paid for. And I thought it was maybe like a uh, detox kind of thing or a rehab or something like that. So I was interested and I just got kicked off a grudge. Um, I think Trevor was the only guy, maybe Brendan. No, I I think there was like 30 guys or something. They got there early to vote on the day of sparring to vote if I stay a part of the team because some of the guys had had it with me. and. T coach T brought me into his office and he said, bro, like we can't have our name attached to you anymore. Like I, I'm the only guy that wants you still a part. I could veto it. Maybe I'm the head coach, but I'm not going to go against the guys. And grudge is unique, man, because grudge is, it's a family. I mean, and what I mean, like it's, It's like the, I think for Elliot Marshall, we, we threw a surprise baby shower for him. (laughs) I mean, in fighters throwing a baby shower for a fighter, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's just not normal. And a lot of fight gyms are, they're a bunch of gym hoppers and a bunch of selfish dudes and they're never going to give their coach the money or they're never going to, they're going to try and knock out their training partners. Like we, we just worked like a, had cookouts together, all this different stuff. But I was the one guy that was the, that was the problem. And, uh, they voted me off. And so, man, I was just, I was empty. I felt like, man. Now my dream, or my nightmare, but my dream, now that's even ripped away from me. So now I had nothing.
0: You know, I know that you've gone through some growth as a human, as a man, some spiritual development and character building and all that, but I can't help but be terrified at how smart you are and how together and passionate you are, but yet you still got hooked by these fucking pills. Yeah. Those goddamn things scare the shit out of me. And I know you were a younger man at the time, and... You didn't, you didn't have the life experiences you have now, but you're not a loser. So the fact that you got just sucked up into it like that, it's so, it's so terrifying to me.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're dangerous, man. I think they should. I don't know how they could they could uh, watch it better. You know, I Can't. mean, I, I I shouldn't be able to go to three different doctors and have one giving me a hundred at a time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know what I mean, a this, hundred. This, this is in Colorado. Yeah, where they have, at least they have databases. Yeah, you know? I mean, I I literally just go to three different pharmacies, three different doctors, three different doctors. Three that three that was pharmacies. the
0: whole topic of a Vanguard show called the Oxycontin Express. Oh, that I, I that? was on it. I was <laughs> I was aboard it, man. I was. Thinking Taking the train. It's about uh, Florida. Oh, man. Because Florida had these things called uh, pain management centers where you would go to a doctor, and the doctor would say, what's wrong? I hurt my back. Well, you need a prescription for pain pills. So the doctor writes it. In the same facility, right next to so leave the doctor's door, the next door is the pharmacy that only sells OxyContin. You go in there and you buy pain pills, and they have these fucking pain management centers, and they're all over the place. So you essentially have these OxyContin addicts oh, yeah. waiting in line at all these parking lots to get into these places, and the places was filled. They were filled with poor people that were just hooked on these goddamn yeah. pills.
1: And I think, I think for me, uh, I mean, I appreciate you saying like, you know, you're not a loser, smart guy, or whatever. I think, but well, it's true. I mean, I'm listening to yeah. you talk. You're, you're obviously a smart guy. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I think that. Worked in my advantage for my problem. Uh, if that makes sense. Like it, it, it fed it. I was mm-hmm. able to justify it. Yeah, justify it. And also, but to the doctors even. Uh, like articulate it. I wasn't the same kind of guy they would classify as we got to watch this guy. Right. He's a professional fighter. He does have a bum elbow. He's got a back problem. He, uh, yeah, we, we can trust this guy. What was and, your back uh, problem? I, I actually, in my last fight, I uh, herniated one disc and i bulged another and so i have a i have an x-ray that they have um i messed up actually a a bunch from the mainly it was the thoracic Mm -hmm. the thoracic and then one or two of the lumbar but um i have a x-ray of from those pain management places i think i had six different discs where they put these uh injections into my spine of cortisone, kind of like cortisone. I'm trying to think and of anti-inflammatory, yeah. some sort of steroidal Anti-inflammatory. Yeah, absolutely, that was brutal because I was supposed to be in a twilight kind of sleep, and I woke up during it because he hit something, mm-hmm. and I just remember just ah, ah and then they put some more in me and I was out. But We um, had a uh, boss rooting in here yesterday and his, oh, that's uh, awesome, his
0: right arm it's like shriveled away mm. because of uh, neck injuries, yeah. of disc injuries. Yeah. I, I used to get stingers all the time from wrestling. So, it's so amazing Brilliant. how many guys have a bulging disc now in my neck. Mm. And, uh, it's amazing talking to how many guys talking to people like asking how many guys also have the same injury or similar injuries or in their lower back or in their middle back or it's
1: fucking everybody. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and man, it's easy. If you want to get, if you want to get it, uh, you know, fund your or whatever, find your addiction and you want to find a way to, to feed that you can. And, uh, if you want to find something to take a pill for they'll, they'll, they'll get you. Absolutely. Even one of my doctors, uh, was in Iowa. (laughs) So two were in Colorado. One was in Iowa and I'd go there. I get
0: it man that's uh that's terrifying shit but it's uh for a lot of people out there that might be struggling with that very problem right now listening to this you know hearing you that you were able to pull yourself out of it i guarantee you you can inspire people to do the same I and hope they so, can man. realize they can listen to you and go i want to be that guy i don't want to be this guy that i'm now mm. a slave to this bottle of pills that i have to figure out how to get every week
1: mm. you know i feel like that's one of the reasons i have that connection to the pygmies like i wasn't a a slave to a Bantu, <laughs> but I've, be- I've definitely been a slave to something. My uh, and, and so, yeah, if there is somebody that's watching, man, uh, that you can get out of it because, um, there's definitely hope. <laughs> and, how did you, how did you do it? Did you go cold Turkey? Yeah. 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 I actually, I went, I ended up going on that, uh, that kind of retreat of sorts with my buddy and, and he just loved on me, man, in a way that, uh, it was genuine. It was authentic. Where was the retreat? What'd you guys do? Have you ever heard of the Hallmark family or Hallmark cards? Sure. Uh, I know they're big in Texas. I don't know if they're big big here, but it was actually their house or their ranch. Um, And it was, they kind of donated this ranch to be for all walks of life, um, kind of all beliefs and for people to come there. And uh, it was a vision of this one guy that, that wants to just uh, have a place where people's lives can be changed and stuff. And man, there's these, there's like 20, 30 guys that said that they are not that said, but. They they literally went to war for me in my, in my life and told me I had a life worth living. And it was, it was awkward, kind of not awkward, but just right at first, I was like, what's up here? This is crazy. Um, but for me, I, I had a, I had a radical change, man. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a slow process. It was like, I finally realized I have a life worth living. Um, and my life can be for a bigger purpose than myself than getting what I want when I want it. Um, I can make a contribution to this planet, to this world, to people. Um, I cannot just fight against people. I can fight for people. And that's what it was demonstrated in front of me at this retreat. Um, and I'm, I'm not, man, I have my own personal beliefs. Everyone does, man. Uh, but this was a, it was a Christian, uh, retreat. And for me, it, it changed my life, man, because, uh, these men weren't like, because bro, if you want to go into some jacked up religious background, I got it. I've got a jacked up religious background. Um, I have family that says, if I mean, just crazy stuff, like you have instruments in your music, you go to hell. If you have tattoos, you go to hell. I'm the only tattooed guy in my family. Um, and I have a whole back piece and, and, and all this stuff. And I had another one where, So they're super like legalistic and this rules and this other one, when I'm 13 years old, I left a a church camp, the only church camp I ever went to, I left a church camp with bruises on my neck because they tried to cast demons out of me. Um, And then, yeah, yeah. And then I went to Catholic school um, and and had a background where, you know, the the parents were throwing keg parties for us. And then I went there in this place, in this retreat, and I, I told the guy, bro, I don't need anything Christian, bro. I don't need it. I don't want it. Uh, I, I know your type. Like I don't, I don't, if I sit around a campfire and I hold hands with a bunch of sissies, punks and sissies and sing Kumbaya, what is that? What is that going to do for me? I need a real answer. I need some like real hope. And man, the guy gave me an answer where it was like, you know, uh, real people with real problems could really use a real God. Um, and for me, that just kind of struck a chord. He told me that if you and this is, again, this is my beliefs and stuff. So I'm not throwing anything out there on anybody, but he told me, um, and it made sense to me, you've experienced the counterfeit and for a counterfeit to mean anything, there's got to be an authentic. And he told me, you know, if there's going to be a Folex, uh, watch made a fake Rolex, there's got to be a Rolex. And you've been around the fake stuff. You've been around the Folexes. You felt the weight of them and they broke on you. you you've seen it and you, you sometimes got to get close enough to where it, 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 ticks or it has a smooth transition. Other times you got to actually hold it because there's that smooth transition on the Rolex instead of ticking. Other ones are so tricky, you actually got to feel the weight so of
0: what it. So, what you're making an analogy to is the fake religious people, the people that were. No, the people that, that, that,
1: that, that abused me. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of religious people that abuse people, that judge people, that all this stuff, man. And, and for me, and what this guy shared with me and what he did was he didn't look at the problems I was going through except for to help me out of them. He didn't come down on me about any of them. He didn't judge me. He didn't say you're wrong. He didn't say uh, God hates you. He didn't. He said God loves you, bro. And and you got problems, and that's okay. And love God, love people. If you can do that thing, mm-hmm. it, it would solve all the problems. If you could love God and love people, that and, uh, then that would change things. And so that's what changed my life. Was like, wow. And what, what I had to happen first was see if God could actually love me. And then I felt me, my own personal experience encounter, like I felt like, man, God, God doesn't hate me. He might love me. And then I feel like he does love me. And then he wants me to love him back and love people. And if I can do those two things for me, that would change. It has changed my life. And I believe it will change others' lives if I can do that. I think for a lot
0: of people who are atheists, um, they hear this kind of talk. One of the, one of the things that comes to mind is they're going like, "Where's this God you're talking about? Yeah. Where's this evidence?" Um, to to put it into the way I kind of look at it, like a lot of people uh, have thought for whatever reason that uh, that I don't believe in God or that I'm anti God or or that I'm an atheist. I'm I would I would not. Classify myself in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I definitely don't think that I, I'm an atheist because I, I don't not believe in God. But what I think is that when someone can tune into the the genuine intentions of the best aspects of any religion, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Hinduism, whether it's what it really boils down to is love and generosity and, and, and fellowship and, and moving towards good and bringing people together with happiness rather than moving towards bad. And what you've done in your life, you can call it God, you can call it anything, but what you've done in your life is recognize the worst possible aspects, the chemical addiction, the depression, the sadness, the failure, all the self-sabotage, and then realize there's another way to do this. I've hit the worst possible frequency, and I've also kind of barely been able to tune into this great frequency. Well, what is this? Mm. Well, knowing the lows and the lowest lows, sometimes you can really sort of extrapolate that there's a there's a counter to that there's 180 degrees to that just like your friend was talking about the folex and the rolex yeah. and, you know you call you know for a lot of people that have a problem with the word god you know i had this guy alex Grayon who's this uh, visionary artist really fascinating fascinating guy and he's also this uh, psychedelic adventurer and he throws around the word God all the time. And he's like, you know, we kind of have to take that word back because the word yeah. God sort of has this bad he- heebie-jeebie yeah. to it. Like, uh, yeah, almost, like, oh, oh you're talking you. about nonsense. But no, you're not necessarily talking about nonsense. And you're, you know, just because you can't prove it and just because, you know, the, the Bible was written thousands of years ago, it, it doesn't mean it's all bullshit. And the, the, the true frequency of love, the true frequency of fellowship is really what what leads to happiness. Yeah, I mean, you're experiencing that yourself.
1: Oh man, I am. And that's what this, this vision is for me with the pygmies in the Congo. Like a lot of people have misinterpreted it to where they've thought, Oh, you're just going there to make a bunch of converts. You should take them a sandwich instead of a bunch of converts. Like that. The, if, if people, if, if you actually looked at what I'm doing, like I'm actually doing slave liberation, rainforest conservation and wildlife preservation all wrapped into one sustainable ways of life, this and that it does not hinge around, uh, it does not hinge around if they become a Christian or not, if they don't and they don't want to, and they, they want to worship their God, do witchcraft, do all that. Fine. I'm going to love you the same way. I feel like God has put on my heart a desire to love them and to love them well and to love them regardless of their choices that they make just because my choice is to love them. And it doesn't hinge around if, if they do what I want them to do or not, like uh, they're my family. And so I want to see them be, be self-sustainable and all that other stuff. So it's not about, it's not about like, are they going to become converts or anything like that? Like at all, it's about, I'm going to love you guys and see you guys go from being slaves to being liberated, to being free, to being put on your own land, to being able to farm uh, to being able to produce your own corn and beans crops Which are getting ready for their second harvest First time in history They're going to have their own school You're going to be educated Once they're educated They can represent themselves at the capital They can be citizens of the country after that I That's mean it just It goes on and on and on and it's I, don't like, anybody, it
0: I don't think anybody who's reasonable Who listens to you would think That you're just trying to convert people Because you're yeah. a religious zealot It doesn't sound like that at all it sounds like you're doing everything absolutely perfect with the, the, the best intentions possible. Man, it's, a, it's a beautiful story, man. It really is. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you in here and, and, and talk to you about it. And it's uh, become more beautiful the more I hear about it, man. It's, it's really cool. And uh, please come back again when you're back in town, when you're back uh, a year from now. Right. Uh, yeah, get in, you got my number. Get in touch with me. Yeah. And uh, let's do this again and, and tell me more things. How, what's the right. end game? Are you going to stay there
1: forever? Man, I honestly don't know. I, we're talking about that with my future wife because uh, she – I don't think we could live there um, forever. No. There's, yeah, there's no. – no. there's No. But I do want to go back often. And this one year is, is my way of committing to them. And this is what's crazy, man. Like I'm trying to find a way to turn this huge publicity or the going viral – it was on Jimmy Kimmel and TMZ yeah. and the Today Show. And now there's going to be a book. And I'm trying to find a way to go from 800,000 views – to fifty thousand dollars or or even maybe even two hundred to two hundred fifty, which I know that sounds like a start a Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. Start we're, a Kickstarter. We're on Indiegogo right now, and we are seeing that? how that goes. It's a, it was before Kickstarter. It's a crowdfunding site. So it's indiegogo.com slash projects uh, slash fight hyphen for it's for the fight for the forgotten, but hyphen's in between it. So indiegogo.com slash projects slash Fight for the Forgotten, but there's hyphens in between. Fight hyphen for. Damn, hyphen, you're making though. it difficult as fuck for someone yeah. to give you some money. <laughs> I know, um, but or you can go to fightfortheforgotten dot com and then okay. uh, you hit donate and then it would take you to the Indiegogo page. All right,
0: fightfortheforgotten.com yep. Go there and then folks. You hit, please. Yeah. Go there and uh, and and donate some cash. That yeah. sounds that sounds amazing, there, man. If we can help you, if we can help publicize man, things, we can tweet things for you. Just great. let me know. Thank Are you, you. going to have any access to the internet while you're out there?
1: Yeah, actually, my buddy that I brought in with me the filmmaker he's got a buddy that uh is developing this military technology that's been picked up by him but uh it, they can fly like drones and stuff like that from a briefcase. And you take this briefcase and uh, you take it to remote places of the world and you set up these four squares or something like that. And inside of that, you have perfect wifi, high speed stuff. So they're what? trying, yeah, they're trying to see if they could get that to me. Cause I've had zero contact while I've been there. So I'd love to be able to Skype with people, talk to yeah. people from the jungle of the Congo. That All would, I would need was some power.
0: That would definitely help. And yeah. when
1: you do do that,
0: please let us know and we'll yeah. tweet it and we'll, we'll get it out there yeah. to as many people as we can. Yeah. That's great. The whole,
1: the whole main goal is uh, getting potentially, well, that's, that's actually what I would love to do is if we could get Shalom University and it's, it shares it at the Indiegogo page. If we could get them a research center on the land uh, and I'm talking about 1200 acres of land, if we could get them a research center, then that would mean they have year round students on the pygmy land and they'd be able to develop them in different self-sustainable ways of life, crops, water wells, all this stuff. College students would get credit to uh develop the pygmies in sustainable ways of life and uh so the the big goal would be 200 to 250,000 i think it's right there and it says what it does and it's it's some crazy stuff where uh where i mean i'll, I'll read it real quick and uh but it's yeah so for 200 to 250,000 this is with the university this isn't something I made up this is what they've been able to say it would it would literally have 3 to 5,000 slaves put on five square kilometers of perfect rainforest, five square kilometers of land for under, for the, the $200,000 price. But then after that it would, uh, preserve the culture of the pygmies. It would get water wells. It would get nutritious crops growing. So not just, uh, not just corn and beans, but like, like good crops. It would have a tilapia pond that's stocked. So the corn would feed the chickens. It would also feed the tilapia and it would feed the pygmies. And it just is a self sustainable way of life. It could have like a earth bag home technology where have you ever seen those, the earth bag homes or the, or the eco domes? Those things are yes. crazy. Yeah. So I, today one of my buddies was over there having a meeting with them and they might want to support this project where for in the U S three to five men it would only take them three to five days to build a three to five room home. And it's under $300 in the U S all it is is sandbags, sandbags. You fill it with dirt and you make this like Adobe that you put on the outside of it. And so we're trying to get that technology over there to them. Shalom university is like all on board wanting to do that. And so really, and then it would have that, uh, it would have that, um, university research center there where they get, and that's the thing. I don't want this, this project. I don't want the pygmies. Uh, to be dependent on me. Like if I'm only there a year and I can only do a year's worth of stuff, I want this thing to be a well-oiled machine that it, it lasts long after I'm gone. Um, and so that way, I don't know, I want this thing to outlive me, if that makes sense. I want it to keep going on. It does make sense. It's yeah. a very
0: noble idea, man. And listen, you've, you've done an amazing thing so far, and uh, we're going to try to help you. Hey, so fightfortheforgotten.com. Go there and give some money to the, what is it, Indie Go. What is Indiegogo dot com. Indiegogo. Um, find it, folks. You can find it. You're smart, yeah, folks. Fight, you for fight for the Forgotten Fight for the Forgotten dot com. Man, you could follow Justin. He is uh, on Twitter. It's uh, Justin the Viking on Twitter, mm-hmm. right? Yes, sir. All right, dude. Thank you very much, hey, man. I'm I so appreciate glad you you guys. this. This is really. one of the
1: coolest things. Thanks. One of the coolest
0: things for yeah. us too. Thank you very much, man. Yeah. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, we'll be back most likely tomorrow with uh, Shane Smith. We gotta uh, work out the. Uh, The dates and time. But tomorrow night, we do have a show at the uh, Ice House Comedy Club. And that is at uh, 10 p.m. with Ian Edwards and uh, Ari Shafir. Thanks to Hover.com. Go to Hover.com forward slash Rogan, and you will get 10% off your domain name registrations. They're a very cool company, and they... Help support this podcast. Thanks also to Audible.com. If you go to Audible.com forward slash Joe, you will get free 30 days service from Audible.com and a free audiobook. And uh, we would recommend uh, Nocturnal from our buddy uh, Scott Sigler, who is just in here today. Really cool guy. Uh, so Audible.com forward slash Joe. Thursday night, this Thursday night, at the American Comedy Company in San Diego, California, where they just got their liquor. So if you want to fuck your life up and go down the hard path that Justin Wren just recovered from, go down to San Diego and take shots of Jack Daniels with Mexican narcotics, because they're right across the border in San Diego. I'm not telling you you should do this, but if you're going to do that, that's the place to be. San Diego, American Comedy Company. And uh, lots of funny comics, and uh, it's this Thursday night all right m- my friends uh, listen the the message of this podcast uh, it- could not have been better served by Justin Wren today. You are you, you, you stand for everything that is good in this world, my friend. And what you're doing, I think, is a beautiful thing. And it's a, 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 I'm honored to have you on this podcast to tell the world about this. I appreciate you so much. We're going to have you on again, my friend. All right. Justin Wren send thousand slaves free. We're going to send slaves three, free. We're going to put people on Mars. <laughs> we're, you, telepathy. We're going to find the Bigfoots. And uh, all more. And then some. And then We're going to go to God. All right, folks. We love the shit out of you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks. Bye. Appreciate it.